In the 1930s in New York, there was a notorious gangster named Dutch Schultz. He was raised by devout Jewish parents, but he had forsaken his religious upbringing, becoming a powerful force in the underworld. His name was linked to all kinds of crime, bootlegging, racketeering, extortion, robbery, even murder. Well, one night in 1935, two mafia hitmen uh, shoot and critically wounded Dutch. He was rushed to the hospital where the doctors told him he wasn't long for this world. And he surprisingly called for a Roman Catholic priest. Apparently, several months earlier, he had become convinced of the truth of Catholicism. Now, not convinced enough to give up his gangland lifestyle, but convinced enough that he should convert. And perhaps he thought he would convert later if he could make enough money and maybe get out of organized crime. But suddenly, hospitalized from a serious gunshot wound, dying, Dutch realized it was now or never. And so he called for a Catholic priest. A priest came to the hospital, gave him a few simple instructions, baptized him, gave him the last rites of the Catholic Church. He died the very next day. A few days later, Dutch received a Catholic funeral and burial, but not long after that, something of a controversy arose. People could not understand how the church would accept such an seemingly evil man into her fold. I mean, the idea that Dutch could live the life of a notorious gangster, and then on his deathbed repent, receive the sacraments, the forgiveness of sins, and God willing, now enjoy the bliss of heaven, it seemed unfair, unjust to many. I would say this, the difficulty some people had with Dutch Schultz's conversion, it's the same essential difficulty people struggle with when they read the, the parable of the workers in the vineyard from the gospel today. You know, really, if we want to understand both the parable and cases like Dutch Schultz, then we need to focus in on two things. First, our need for repentance, and secondly, the lavish, generous mercy of God. So let's first look at the parable through uh, the parable and repentance. Many of the saints and doctors of the church have commented on the parable of the workers in the vineyard uh, that it can be seen as something as an allegory for our life in Christ. The hours of the workday correspond to the stage in life when people turn to God. When we are converted, we are rescued from idle living to serve Christ in his vineyard, where hopefully, by cooperating with his grace, we harvest much fruit from God before the sun sets on our earthly life. Moreover, whether we converted early in life or later, or even hours away from death like Dutch Schultz, all those who are converted ultimately receive the same reward. Uh, in our lectionary, it's translated as the usual daily wage, but it's one denarius in the uh, original text. This one denarius, the usual daily wage, stands for eternal life. Now, that is not to say there is no distinction among the saints in heaven. In fact, it's the opposite. Among the saints, there are greater and lesser degrees of glory in heaven. That is because while the objective gift God offers, eternal life, is the same for all who are blessed to receive it, nonetheless, this gift is received according to the mode of the receiver. That means that the holier a soul, the more virtuous a person, the greater their capacity for being filled by the beatific vision that is heaven. Now, two caveats. Sometimes people will hear this explanation for the parable, 
and say, well, if that's the case, why not do what Dutch did? Why not live my life however I want, sinning with reckless abandon? And then I'll just repent on my deathbed. Well, in our first reading, the prophet Isaiah, he, he warns us, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he is near. It is as if Isaiah were saying, Repent while you still can. St. Augustine echoes the words of the prophet Isaiah when he wrote, Do not say tomorrow I will be converted. Tomorrow I will give thanks to God. And all my sins, todays and yesterdays, will be forgiven. It is true that God promises forgiveness for your conversion. But he does not promise tomorrow for your delays. I'll repeat that. It is true that God promises forgiveness for your conversion. But he does not promise tomorrow for your delays. So we must seek the Lord while he may be found. We must repent today. Don't put it off. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. The second caveat, sometimes people, after hearing the explanation of the parable, say, okay, look, uh, I get it, but I practice my faith. I'm baptized. I'm good, right? I'm in the vineyard. I'm going to get paid at the end. Well, our gospel shows us that even those of us who have been blessed to labor in the Lord's vineyard since the dawn of our life, we need to repent further. We need further conversion. Right? Those workers who began the day working, they are upset when their fellow workers receive a full day's wage, one denarius, after barely working an hour. Now, on a, on a human level, this is understandable, right? Those who were there from dawn did the bulk of the work. They, they bore the burden of the heat of the day, as they say. Those who showed up at five didn't. Yet, once again, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And ultimately, this is a parable about the salvation of souls, not the best HR practices. So the landowner asked them, Are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I am generous? The laborers are rebuked, not for their dissatisfaction with what they have received, right? No, they're rebuked because they're dissatisfied by the fact that others have received as much. And this is the very definition of envy, to be sorrowful at another's good. Christ told us to love our neighbor. To love is to will their good. What they are, th These workers who grumble are blinded by their envy. They're blinded by their envy. They should have seen that their fellow laborers, they're all in the same boat. Nobody gets rich being a day laborer. It's a gamble every day whether or not you're going to have work. And if you don't have work, you don't have money. Uh, and, and very likely this could mean um, a family was going without. In fact, I imagine any worker who is still looking for you know, any day laborer still looking for work at 5 p.m. is probably in a fairly desperate situation. So there's a lack of, of love for one's neighbor. Uh, there's a blindness by envy. The conclusion that we ought to draw is that even those of us who practice the faith, we need repentance. We need further conversion. We're never, uh, in this life, we are never going to arrive and say, you know what, I'm converted enough. I'm conformed enough to Christ. No. There's always more, uh, greater conversion that we can undergo. It's one of the reasons why the church has always held up frequent confession as a staple of the spiritual life. You know, the book of Proverbs tells us that the just man falls seven times a day. That means I'm falling at least eight, right? We all sin. We all need confession frequently, regularly. 
That's repentance. Let's look at the parable in light of the lavish, generous mercy of God. You know, I think a good way to think about this is from the perspective of of the landowner. Why on earth would he go out looking for laborers at 9 a.m. and then again at noon and then again at 3 and then again at 5? I'm sure when he initially went and hired laborers, he hired enough to do the job. Sure, maybe you underestimate every once in a while and have to go back looking for more workers. Um, But to go back on four separate occasions and at 5 p.m. right before the workday ends, it it points to uh, the lavish and generous nature of this landowner who seems to care more for day laborers than his bottom line. This landowner uh, points to the lavish, generous mercy of God. You know, in our first reading from the book of Isaiah, we're admonished to have no fear when we repent and return to the Lord, because Isaiah tells us he is generous and forgiving. Just as the landowner our gospel was supremely generous in giving a full day's wage to those who worked barely an hour, so too God is supremely and abundantly generous in forgiving our sins. It does not matter what we may have done. No sin is too strong for his mercy. It does not matter how many times we may have fallen. No number of sins is beyond his power to forgive. If that doesn't seem fair to some, well, Isaiah tells us God's thoughts are not our thoughts, nor are his ways our ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. So let us seek the Lord while he may be found. Let us accept his lavish and generous offer to labor in his vineyard until the sun sets on our earthly life so that we may receive the usual daily wage, everlasting life.